I just wanted to say that this just proves that to be part of the EPOP team, you have to be a bit of a rule breaker. <laughs> I, I was going to say, we just added about seven on there to, uh, to number seven. EPOP gives you a lot more than you think you're getting, right? Like that's, that's really what we're doing here, folks. Under promise and over deliver. We said 40 tips. Who knows how many we'll end up at. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 400, with a whopping 27.9 twins per every 1,000 births, which is about double the world average. The Central African country of Benin is the world's capital of twinning. And remember, twinning equals winning. Did you know that I was a twin? Today's show is all about the more, the merrier. You just heard the intro fact about twins, and on the episode, you're going to get to hear from some of my favorite people in the world, the biggest podcast episode that we have ever done when it comes to number of people on a show, by far, is going to happen today. And we're going to give you even more tips than you bargained for, because remember, the more the merrier today. It's all about abundance. And one of the best things that has happened since I've started this podcast is I've been able to share a lot of travel information and tips with you over the years. And one of those tips, one of the things that if you've listened to the show for a while, you've heard over and over and over and over and over again is about Tortuga Backpacks because they have sponsored so many of our episodes, at least 300 out of our 400 episodes. Again, the more the merrier. And that is because they are an amazing company that makes the best travel backpack out there. So the more people who grab a Tortuga backpack, the merrier. And if you want to do that and you want to be even more merry by using our discount code, you can do that, tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. Remember, you can get 10% off anything you order by going to tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. And now it's time to roll into one of the most fun shows we've ever recorded. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a lot of people, our biggest, best podcast ever to celebrate our 400th episode. We have got the whole EPOP team here with us today. I've got Casey who is our community manager. If you guys email in, you probably chatted with her. We've got Vanessa, who is our organizational guru. If we do any big projects, it's because of her kicking our butt to do it. We've got Lily, who's been with us since the very, very beginning, a Jill of all trades, Ransom, who's one of our writers, who if you've been reading a lot of the posts that have been coming out recently, 
That's all due to him. Mac, our social media guru, who's joining us from her car today. There you go. And of course, my constant travel companion and co-host, Heather, who is just downstairs because we're actually not sitting together. So welcome, everyone. And I just want to go around, have you all introduce uh, yourselves and tell us where you're coming from because we are spanning, I was going to say the globe, but right now it's everyone that actually happens to be in the U.S. So Case, kick it off. Hi, I'm Casey. I'm from Prescott, Arizona. All right. Hey, everybody. Vanessa Tharp here, and I am calling from beautiful Oak Ridge, Oregon. Hi, I'm Lily, and I am temporarily in Overbrook, Kansas. Hi, I'm Ransom. I'm in very snowy right now, Denver, Colorado. Hi, I'm Mac, and like Travis said, I'm sitting in my car, but I'm coming outside of Columbus, Ohio. And I think everybody knows me. I'm Heather, and I'm coming from not our office, but our bedroom downstairs so that Trav and I do not over-record each other. That's right. We were getting a little bit of uh, reverb here. So what we did today, we crowdsourced 40 of our best travel tips. We got everyone to chime in. We called that list down from, I think it was at like 71, all the way down to 40. And we've broken that up into a few categories so that you guys can follow along. So the very first category we're going to hit are the pre-travel tips. Everything you want to do before you actually get on the road. Then we talk about packing, which obviously lends itself to, to pre-travel. We talk about money. And then lastly, we talk about during your trip, what are some of the things you can do to make your trip better, more efficient, cheaper, and just an overall better experience. So we're going to start it off pre-travel. Number one, Casey, you have a killer tip. So go ahead. Travel off season. I love traveling both off and shoulder season because the crowds are gone. You can worry, you can wander without worry or stress. Um, I did two months of backpacking through Europe in December and January, and I never had to stand in a line. Everything was cheaper. The locals were super welcoming because they weren't overwhelmed with crowds. And I had so many options of places to stay. Nothing was sold out. Yeah, I love that tip. And if you guys are listening, you don't know what shoulder season is. Shoulder season is kind of that in between the really dead season, right? Yeah, so if we're talking Europe, in between winter and summer, so you have fall and spring. And, and like you mentioned, Case, one of the best things is that the prices are cheaper. There's not crowds, but you're still getting usually decent weather um, if that's what you're going for. Yeah, I would say we almost prefer to travel in shoulder season. Well, shoulder season is where I will bring you uh, my tip number two, and that is because I love listening to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Destination Diaries. Um, I got to live in Barcelona last fall, and I tell you what, not only because I get to work with Travis and Heather, but we have very similar tastes in food and wine and cool places, and so those Destination Diaries just really make me know all the cool spots I don't want to miss. And um, I learned this little trick, and I think Mac is going to talk about it as well. But um, if you pull up your Google Maps, you can mark things on them. And so that really helped me in a new city, in a foreign land, figure out, hey, I'm actually not too far from this really cool coffee shop or this ice cream spot that Travis loves. And the Destination Diaries, I think, are even more unique because it's not just the international cool cities like Barcelona. There's tons of U.S. cities as well. And so I know for me, it's kind of revived my passion for visiting cool cities cities in the U.S. Yeah, and going off of that for number three, my tip is to make a Google map and save it for the place that you want to go. So say that you're going to somewhere like Barcelona and you've crowdsourced all of these different recommendations and 
restaurants and museums that you want to go to, making sure that you create a map for that specific destination so that while you're there, if you're at a coffee shop and you can just pull up your map and see what the closest restaurant or closest local attraction would be so that you're not hopping around from place to place all over the city. How many of you guys on the call here have your Google map and it has probably three times more things pinned than you actually get to when you get to the stage? Because I know Barcelona for us, for other and I, legitimately probably had a hundred stars on it. And uh, obviously we didn't get to a hundred places. So are, are we the only ones with that? No, I've, I've got tons. Awesome. Gosh, my home guy. city of Nashville, I've got hundreds that I haven't even been to. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh. I'm living back up in Portland, Oregon, and same thing. And I love, though, because you can do the green little flags, you can do the hearts, and then I think you can also do a star. Um, so it's kind of cool to distinguish, like, either want to go or have been there or was recommended. And, um, you know, maybe we could get a little globe to connect with Google Maps and it'd be like, EPOP sent us, right? That's a, a great little hashtag we've got going as well. That's right. Um, my tip number four is uh, kind of for the more long-term travelers, like digital nomads, or if you're taking an entire summer or, or you know, sabbatical and going somewhere, if you're going to be in one place for a month or longer, when you're looking at housing options, look beyond Airbnb. Airbnb is great, but a lot of times if you go to the local sites, whatever, like the local equivalent of uh, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever, and see what they're offering, sometimes you can save hundreds of dollars over what you would find on Airbnb. And I've done this a couple of times myself. Um, there's also uh, an advantage if you can make the arrangements in the local language. Uh, you'll save a lot. Um, Benny Lewis, who's a, a polyglot language guru, talks about the English tax. And it's it's true. If you make your arrangements in English in a non-English speaking country, you're almost invariably going to pay a lot more. So if if you or a friend of yours can make the arrangements in the local language, or you could hire somebody on a place like Fiverr, maybe to do the, the arrangements for you, you might be able to save a few hundred dollars on your lodging. Yeah, I found this to be the case when I was living in Medellin, because I was, uh, for most of the time, renting an Airbnb. But then, after living there a bit, and since I could speak Spanish, I made friends with locals. They're like, oh, you're paying, like, three times too much. Like, I could rent to you for, you know, twice as large a place for a third of the price. So, yeah, it's absolutely true. So that brings me to number five, which is to always have at least one night of accommodation booked before you go anywhere. Now, we don't do this anymore. We always have our trips planned out a little more, especially because we have two kids now. But back in the day when we were just being a little bit more spontaneous with our travel, we would often show up in a place. And I can remember specifically being in Bali and arriving at maybe 11 p.m. at night, not having anywhere to stay, being on the back of a motorbike trying to find a place to sleep that night. It's so stressful. So if your travel isn't super, super planned out, we definitely recommend at least booking that one night so that when you land, you have somewhere to go. And then the next day you can walk around the neighborhoods and see where you might want to find a place to stay. Yeah, Heather, I, I mean, definitely as an organizer, I'm like, make a plan, make sure you have a night. But I remember once I was um, going to the island of Koh Tao and I wasn't quite sure where to go. And this was kind of back before everything was all over the internet. 
And I remember I booked a pretty high for Thailand Island prices place for one or two nights. But then as soon as I got there and wandered around and met some people, I ended up getting this like really cool little bungalow for, you know, one fifth of the price I was playing. But it gave me just that peace of mind and calmness of showing up on an island at the middle of Thailand, knowing I had accommodations for a night or two. And then once I got the lay of the land, I was like, oh, wait, this is a way better deal. Love these people. And actually, I met some friends there traveling that I've known, you know, ever since. then. so it was a a great thing. So that's a, a really good tip. I appreciate that one. Yeah, definitely. And and that that goes with also saying you don't have to have your whole trip booked out because then you do have the flexibility to change your accommodation or switch to a different neighborhood or even extend your time in that place. So it just depends on your travel style. But yeah, definitely that first, maybe first and second night gives you a little bit of time to just regroup and assess the situation. And I will say it is nice to have the first night booked, but if you do want to be more flexible, it is nice to be able to switch that because say that you go to a hostel and you find out the next morning that you got bit by bed bugs. Obviously, (laughs) you don't want to stay there again. You want to go somewhere else. So having that first night booked is great because you know that you're going to have a place to sleep, but it's also great because when you realize that it's infested with bed bugs, you can go somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> I love that I pay for the like extra fancy night one and Max like down slum in it. She's like, meh, whatever. <laughs> a couple bed bugs. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think bed bugs, I, that, I'm surprised that you left, Mac. If it was a good deal, I mean, it's just bed bugs, right? Yeah, my mom might kill me if I bring those home, though. So that's the only <laughs> issue. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And had, you forgot to mention that that time in Bali, which is when this this came up, like we made a rule that we'd always book one night. It was like 1am when we landed on the motorbike, pouring rain. Oh, and, it was uh, awful. Yeah, that was even when I was like, yeah, I'm starting to hit my limit here. So um, definitely book ahead at least at least one night, depending on your travel style. Lily, number six. All right. Number six. Uh, learn a few phrases of a local language before you go, um, when the native language is not English. So, you know, even if English is widely spoken in that area, the locals really appreciate it when they see you making an effort to speak in their language. And a lot of times, again, back to the English tax I talked about in an earlier tip, if you speak the local language a little bit, a lot of times they'll give you a discount. They'll throw in something for free just because they're so... Uh, happy and appreciative that you're making that effort. Um, And so in order to go, uh, in order to learn a few languages, uh, a few words of the language, I listen to podcasts and I use apps. Um, So, uh, you know, just getting my ear used to the language uh, really makes a difference. It's not such an assault on the senses when you get there. I'm actually going to jump in with a little story. Um, When I was in Paris, my mother and I went into this small little cafe and I did my best to use my two years of high school French to order and I became the hit because it was horrible. I I butchered it, but at least I gave it the old uh, high school college try. And actually the whole kitchen staff came out because of course they asked where I was from. At that point, I lived in Las Vegas. Everybody came out. We had full conversations. The meal, actually, they gave it to us for free. Um, It was just this epic thing, all because I attempted to order in French. 
I can also attest to this because everybody gives France a bad rap in general for being, you know, maybe not the most welcoming people. But I did the same thing. I took French in high school and college. I tried to speak it when we were in France and everyone was so lovely to us. We just had the best time and, you know, just a really good response from the French people because we're at least trying. I think Ransom put this in the notes um, as well, that even if you're going to an English language country, it is also helpful, right, Ransom? And, and I'll let you expand on this and get into number seven as well, to, to learn some of the slang. Like, so, all right, you're going to an English language country, you're going to Ireland, you're going to Australia, whatever. Learn a little bit of the slang. A, it's fun because it's not something you normally say. And uh, yeah, I just think it ingratiates you to, to the local community a bit as well. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Now, I will say, and this leads us into um, number seven here, you do have to be careful with what you say. You know, you shouldn't just go off spouting local slang. If you're really not very sure how to use it, that could get you into a lot of trouble, um, which brings us to number seven, which is, you know, you should do some research on the cultural norms of the place before you visit. So, yeah, that includes things like language, like we talked about. But it also includes things like body language or like a common dichotomy is high touch versus low touch, you know, like. When I was living in Colombia, people are very, they're very friendly, very, you know, touchy. It's all, you know, but it's like, you know, you could make the mistake of thinking someone's flirting with you when they're really just being nice. <laughs> On the other hand, you have, you know, countries, I mean, like Ireland was a pretty good example. Actually, people are a bit more reserved, you know, especially when meeting people at first. So it's just good to be aware of those things. Um, the other one that uh, was very important to know before going to Colombia, and this is true, from what I understand in uh, other Latin American countries, you know, there are even things with like, you know, people in America, you know, there's the knock, the shave and a haircut, the, you know, that <laughs> whole deal. Uh, well, uh, in Colombia, that is actually an extremely offensive phrase that I'm not going to say on the recording, but you can look it up if you want that to get you into a lot of trouble. So things like that are very important to know. And, you know, a little bit of internet research is usually all you need. If you can find the blog or even, you know, extra pack of peanuts or something like that, there's probably info. I'll also jump in with, it's also good to know a little bit of the history of the country. Um, when visiting Ireland, I was staying at a, um, a B&B, and I actually ended up having a three-hour conversation about, um, you know, everything Irish, everything about the history. And he was quite amazed that American took the time to even learn that beforehand and had a great time because of it. I had that same experience in Romania. I learned a little bit of the history of the Romanian Revolution before going there, and they were absolutely impressed. They, they thought Americans knew nothing of it, so they were really impressed that I knew something about it. Nice. I, I just have to throw this in. Hath, Casey is the first one to add an extra one in. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. Casey adds <laughs> an extra little tip in there, she said, to add on to it. But it really was its own tip. So now we're at 41. <laughs> He's just, just breaking the rules, breaking the rules. I like it. The first rule breakers, Casey. Well, I might throw in a, a technical 42 because a nice way to learn history, if you don't have time beforehand, um, is to go on like a, lo a local walking tour or the I've done some food tours and you naturally get all of this cultural stuff, historical stuff. Um, and so that's just a nice way on site where you're eating, you're drinking, and then they squeeze in all this extra stuff. And so I, I know that I've done um, some really cool food tours that I actually was like, whoa, I learned history. I learned language. I learned phrases. I learned cultural expectations and norms. And it just seems like you get so much more than just the food. 
Yeah, I can't believe we don't have that on this list because we often do a walking tour. It's one of Trev's favorite things to do when we go to a new place. So that's definitely a great tip. Thanks for reminding us of that, Vanessa. Yeah, and I think the best way to do it and we, I think we talked about this, V, when you were in Philly, is to do it your first day. You know, you get to a new city, you do a walking tour, or even one of those bus tours, and you get to see all the highlights. And then it allows you to, to think, all right, this is what I wish I saw more of. Or, hey, I saw this and I don't need to go back, but I'm glad I got the lay of the land a little bit. So for sure. And that also... Um, helps with jet lag too. This is something that we recorded in another podcast that I just remembered that if you book something for your first day, you wake up, it gives you a reason to wake up so that you're not sleeping and you're getting accustomed to the local time right away. And Casey, did you have something to add to that? I just wanted to say that this just proves that to be part of the EPOP team, you have to be a bit of a rule breaker. <laughs> I was going to say, we just added about seven on there to, to number seven. Um, so as, yeah, I can't believe we didn't think about one for jet lag. All right, back, back to the list. We'll keep, we will definitely keep having just shows. EPOP gives you a lot more than you think you're getting, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's really what we're doing here, folks. Under promise and over deliver. We said 40 tips. Who knows how many we'll end up at. Uh, officially number eight. Yeah. Officially number eight. So this is a family friendly one. And Jason from Zero to Travel just reminded us of this tip this morning. And that is to call the airline ahead for a bassinet or an extra seat for a child under two. So if you don't know this, when you have an infant, most airlines have a special bassinet that is in the like the first row that can come down and your infant can sleep in there safely while you're traveling so that you can also sleep or watch a movie or read a book or whatever. So you have to call ahead though because they only have a few. Sometimes they only have one. Sometimes they might have two depending on the size of the plane. So call ahead and reserve it before somebody else does. And you can also either call ahead or when you check in, request a middle seat for your your child because a lot of airlines automatically block an extra seat for you, but they might fill it up. So if you just kind of reiterate that you are traveling with a child under two, they usually can make a concession if there's availability on the flight. I, I definitely want to add, Heth, that the, uh, the line that we always use is, hey, we're trying to make this flight as enjoyable for ourselves, but also for everyone else on the plane. So would you mind uh, giving us an extra seat if you have it, um, which which does help. And again, it, yeah, I forget what they call it, but it's like a, a blocked lap infant seat. So if they are in a two of their lap infant, they usually will block it for you if there's extra seats. But again, you mentioned that you might as well ask and try to push for that because it's going to make it way more enjoyable, which brings us into the packing section. So we, we broke packing out as its own thing. I was going to put on your pre-travel. There were so many different packing tips um, and we get questions on packing all the time. So I'll lead us off with number nine. And uh, if anyone wants to, to debate this um, on this show, I, I don't think, I think this crew is mostly carry on only because that was not even, I didn't even have to put it on the list. It was already on there. Um, all right, so I'm getting a lot of thumbs up. If anyone isn't a carry-on only, you can, you can dive in here. But I think that almost all of us or, or you know, realize the, the value in carry-on only, not just because you're going to save money. And that's, that's huge because you can start getting dinged a lot of money, especially if you're you know, taking a multi-stop trip and you have to pay every time you're getting on a different flight or whatever. Um, but it's also just a lot of mental weight off of you. And it's just a lot easier to, uh, to actually carry around when you get to your destination, whether it be a, 
uh, a rolling suitcase, which Heather's a fan of, or whether it be a backpack. Um, we definitely all love carry-ons. And I see a lot of people with hands up who want to speak. So Case, go ahead. And then we'll work away. Lily, Ransom, and we'll talk about carry-ons. For me, as I have zero patience at airports after I've gotten off the plane. Don't make me stay there for one second more than I have to and waiting with a bunch of people and staring at luggage and trying to make conversation is horrid. <laughs> I like to hit the ground running. Let me out. Let me go. Amen, so, sister. Especially after, a, <laughs> especially after a really long flight when you're tired and you just want to go rest. Um, and I will say that this really came home to me uh, for the first time in a long time. I'm actually, my husband and I are checking two bags each because we're essentially moving to Mexico. Uh, we're getting a long-term house there. And it just came to like, we're going to be spending $140 to take those two checked bags down. And it just came to me like how much you save by not doing that. I'm like, like Lily, say, I could be your of- mule. I could, I could take those for you, Lily, if you want to put that 140 and then I'll like come down. I don't know. I'm just saying there's some deal we could make. <laughs> no, I don't know if being a mule to Mexico should be the best. <laughs> for should, clothes, for clothes, y'all. There. Um, yeah, if, if, any, if the, uh, anyone's listening, like the NSA is listening in, Vanessa will be handcuffed before the end of this show. Um, <laughs> Ransom, what do you have to say? I was going to say the other thing with carry only. I mean, it's really just like the literal weight that you save in just like being so much more mobile. You know, I can remember, you know, arriving in Ireland with this gigantic suitcase because I was staying there for four months and trying to drag that stupid thing on those cobblestone streets and all that was just terrible. <laughs> and I will have to say that it's really nice to be able to get to the airport and zoom through security. If you have to check a bag, that adds an extra, depending on how long the line is, like 30 minutes to an hour to do that. So you can just show up to the airport and go through security, especially if you have, you know, TSA pre-check or global entry and just slide on through and make it just in time for your flight. So let's pull the curtain back a little bit. If you're traveling with Trav, uh, I had to drop Mac off at the airport in Philly just last week to catch your flight. We were like, oh, we got time to go get this burger and whatever. Well, we were cutting it a little close. I was more nervous than she was, but we had an hour and, you know, just flying domestically to Columbus. But she, she was like, well, I don't have to check a bag, so we should be good. And, and you were, right? You texted me like 15 minutes later, you're through security. Had you been checking a bag, I probably would have been it a bit. It would have been nice. a little close. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been close. And I, I was a little more nervous than I let on to be. But I figured if I just projected that energy into the world that I would get through security fine. So it worked out great. Well, I'm so glad, Trav, you didn't throw me under the bus here because I embarrassingly, I had to borrow a suitcase and check a bag when I came out to see y'all in Philly recently because I was worried it's going to be so cold and throwing all the extra sweaters and boots. And it took forever to get my bag. And that was just like, I was so done with it. I've been, you know, traveling across the U.S. It was so much. But one last tip on why carry-ons matter. Um, We have a good friend, Jason Robinson. I think most of us know it. Um, and he was just saying how he missed like $1,500 in free flights and a next flight just to stay one extra night, I believe in Toronto. And so if you have a checked bag when they need to start bumping people and offering up nice vouchers, you are not eligible for that because you have checked a bag through. So it's kind of the last, like, if we have not convinced you to carry on only, well, you're, you're just going to lose out on those extra perks and bonuses. That's amazing. Well, all this talk about bags and and luggage brings me right into number 10, which is to invest in good luggage. Because as Ransom mentioned, he's, you know, bumping around 
cobblestone streets with a suitcase. Well, that could also be a carry-on suitcase, which is what I prefer. I have the Away luggage and it has held up. I've had it for two years now. I've bumped around all over the place. I have the carry-on size. I actually have the, they have a carry-on and then a bigger carry-on. Obviously, I have the bigger carry-on size so that I can maximize my packing. But that suitcase is so heavy duty that it's worth the investment. And that comes in right under $300. So it's not, it's pretty affordable for really good luggage. And of course, all of you know how much we love Tortuga here on the EPOP podcast. They sponsor us and Trav has used nothing but Tortuga, at least for the past five years, maybe six. So we just love those. And when you have good luggage, you, d- you don't have to worry about it breaking. And then you're in a country somewhere where you have to find a new backpack or a new suitcase. That's just stressful and takes away from your travel time. I actually um, got the Tortuga before I even knew Heather or Travis. And I literally can shove so much stuff in that backpack and the zippers are so strong. And I just can't believe how much it can actually hold. And it allows me to run through the airport if necessary, very quickly. So that is great luggage and I'm might be a little biased, but I, I love mine. I'm actually going to be jumping on the Tortuga train, so to speak, because um, I'm getting my first bag uh, from in January for my birthday. Woo! Awesome. Yeah, and I think this really hit home for me. Rance was talking about rolling luggage over, and this was before I packed in a car, and it was my first real trip. I was moving to Switzerland for a couple months. So I had two big 50-pound suitcases that I was super excited about because I just bought it like TJ Maxx. You know, they looked, I don't know, all the tags said they had like a 1,000 features, right? Which I don't even know how luggage has a 1,000 features. That probably should have been a tip-off. I'm sure you're like, exaggerating. Well, you know, they say like all these things that they have and you don't really understand. You're just like, this must be a good bag. It's got a crest of like a lion on it. So, of course, it's high class, but somehow it's a TJ Maxx. Uh, It broke. Like I stepped off the train and we had to walk a mile and a half to our house and it was 50 pounds and the wheel broke. Like the moment I put it on the ground, just shattered. And so I drug like basically a 50 pound anvil through the streets of this town that I was moving to. Everyone laughing at me. I'm pouring sweat. And uh, that was my welcome. Welcome to moving to Switzerland moment. And after that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this again. So, Well, I definitely love a good roller suitcase myself. But um, when you are using a backpack, which is something I definitely try to do when I'm traveling, I just like it that it's, you know, this is tip 12 for anyone keeping along or no, just kidding. It's tip 11, but we've added so many bonuses. So we've maybe lost count. We'll get you 40 and then some. Um, But anyway, uh, the backpacks, I love... um, organizing. And so the backpack cubes just are my bread and butter, man. You can put all of your like bottoms and pants and shorts in one, all your t-shirts and, and, you know, other things, tops in the other, and, and just kind of using those. So you don't have to pull every single thing out. Um, and the full zip open bags are super helpful for that. And I even have actually tried, um, a luggage bag or the, the pack, packing cubes for actual like roller suitcases and found it really helpful just because I was moving around a lot and I didn't want to dig through everything. And so I'm a big fan of packing cubes. Yeah, we are packing cube converts. Ransom, go ahead. I was going to say another thing This reminded me because I was writing an article the other day about how to pack only a carry on. You know, one thing to be aware of is some airlines, especially the budget one can be really, really picky about the size you know, the actual dimensions of the luggage. So if everything's in packing cubes, you have a much better chance of making it fit in an overhead bin or under the seat in front of you, whichever you're trying to accomplish. 
Yeah, I think even if your packing cubes explode the moment you get to your spot, which it happens for Heather and I, um, it's still so worth it when you're packing to know that you have all your stuff and and like you said, random to keep it kind of nice and tight in your actual bag. So we are, yeah, we are definitely packing cube converts. And uh, I number twelve, I have to give a shout out to uh, to Jay from Zero to Travel. So I was talking to him earlier this morning. I was like, oh man, you have any tips? Like, not that we needed more, but I figured I'll give you a special shout out. So he said this. He said that he always carries a dry sack. So similar to the ones that like kayakers or boaters or anyone will have, um, you know, you've seen them, you can put it in and roll it up and it keeps everything waterproof. Um, And he'll always bring one of those with him just in case. Doesn't have to be a big one, right? Can just be something small. But I I agree that that's super helpful if you, I mean, especially if you're going somewhere where you think it's going to rain, right? But it's nice to have that in your day pack or your regular backpack. So if you have something you really can't get wet, whether it be books or electronics or, you know, something like that, you could throw it in there. And even if the rest of your stuff gets a little damp, no worries because you have that dry bag. I'm going to tag onto that one. Um, in addition to a dry bag, uh, it's it's helpful if you can get a super minimal rain jacket. If you're going to an area that is, you know, you know, the forecast is a lot of rain or um, or it's just a rainy area uh, and you want to stay dry, you can get uh, small uh, rain jackets that basically pack into their own pocket and fit very easily into your luggage. Um, I have one by, I believe the, brand name is outdoor research right now i, I love Super that light. you're holding it up like how did you just have that next to you while we're recording this she's literally because holding- uh i'm packing for a month-long trip right now and i always keep it with me it also makes a nice second layer wind like you know windbreaker or something like that so if you're out in a windy place or you just need a little extra warmth it's perfect you can throw it into your purse or your bag day bag and just keep it with you it's awesome And I'll go right into number 13. Um, This kind of goes with toiletries and packing. I'm not so much of a toiletry person, but I did find myself running out of shampoo while traveling all the time. And since I was staying in hostels, they didn't have like the, the free, you know, shampoo and conditioners that you'd get in like a hotel or maybe an Airbnb. And I was visiting my friend in Ireland and I was like, I keep running out of shampoo, but I always have this extra body wash. And she's like, oh, why don't you just, you know, double up the shampoo and fill two of your like travel tubes with shampoo and use that for body wash as well. So you can kind of use it as a double, like a double take. So that's my tip is just instead of packing a shampoo and a body wash, you can just pack extra shampoo and use it for both. And I would throw in there, they sell shampoo and conditioner pretty much everywhere in the world. Like for some reason, I used to think like, oh, I have to bring all these things and get them in three ounce tubes and blah, blah. You can almost always buy it somewhere. So if you're really stressing out about it, like just know you can probably buy it on most of the towns and cities you'll be. Yeah, this is a great point that I think when people get scared of packing light and packing just care on, it's because they think they have to bring everything. Whereas you mentioned the most places that you go, you're going to be able to get certain items and, and you don't have to bring everything, everything with you. And it also, and this is going to come up in one of the other numbers uh, that Casey has, it also makes a fun experience sometimes if you, if, you know, as long as it's not a necessity that you're like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this in three hours, like it's medicine or something, uh, it makes a fun experience and, and kind of a mission be like, oh, I got to go find shampoo. Well, let me figure out how to find shampoo in this rural village in Vietnam, right? So, you know, it's kind of an authentic travel experience there. 
I will say when I landed in Paris, I was like, oh, I, I wasn't going to pack mascara because I just right now I was like, oh, I'll just go buy some. And I was like, they'll definitely have really great mascara at the, you know, the convenience stores or drug stores. And I went and I got this brand. I didn't know what it was. And I had a reaction in my eyes and it was just, so maybe bring your own mascara if you are going to. Um, but yeah, shampoo and conditioner you can get anywhere. Yeah, I just I'm going to throw in there that I am not a light packer when it comes to toiletries, especially my makeup. My makeup bag is pretty hefty and I always travel with it and I would be very upset if I didn't have it with me because I like specific products. But yes, for most things, you can buy it somewhere else. That's why I love traveling with Heather because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bring this moisturizer, but Heather's going to have four. (laughs) (laughs) Not four. Maybe not four. (laughs) Well, and that's why Heather loves traveling with me because it's probably actually in my bag and not hers. Hey, you know, that's just a perk of being in a relationship with you, I guess. Yeah, that's a nice segue here into number 14, which is sort of related. Um, and it's that conditioner actually makes a great substitute for shaving cream. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Andrew Huang, a uh, wonderful YouTube musician extraordinaire. His stuff is amazing. You should check him out. Uh, he had some video where he was traveling uh, for work somewhere, I think in Berlin or something. And he like shows himself like shaving with this conditioner. I was like, oh, that's a great tip. And I, I've done this before, like, you know, in hospitals and stuff, you know, something extra you don't have to worry about carrying, especially like aerosol things are kind of not so great to have anyway. So... <laughs> Yeah, I've actually done this for years uh, because it's also extra moisturizing as well because it's a conditioner. So I use it to shave all the time when I run out of, I don't even really buy shaving cream. I usually just use body wash or conditioner. All right. Well, I'm going to mix it up here with something that people say is making a comeback and I tell them uh, it's never been gone. And that is the fanny pack. This is, yes, yes. (laughs) Give it up for the fanny pack. Um, they, this is number 15. And, um, since we are all mostly on here, um, you know, Hey, let's all bring it as a carry on. And we've got our backpacks, our roller bags. What I have found, um, I've been traveling a lot more this year for work is that I, I need like my hand sanitizer, my gum, my little snacks that I bought at home. So I saved like $24, not buying one candy bar and a juice at the airport and, and even headphones, right? Because a lot of us have, um, the wireless headphones, but if you want to indulge in some movies, you still need that cord. And so I definitely still rock the fanny pack. Like I said, it's never been out of style for me. And it's just a great place to stick all those little things that you're going to need, maybe a credit card to pay for your drink. Um, And I often actually even travel with a tennis ball. Um, My back and hip doesn't always feel great. And so that's easy to to reach. But all the must-have little things in a fanny pack, that is tip number 15, get yourself a fanny pack. (laughs) And if you're too cool for the fanny pack, I mean, any little pack will do. I I carry around uh, a small pack as well with like a little uh, comb inside of it and a couple sticks of gum and like some ibuprofen and headache medicine in case, you know, you have that issue. Uh, And, and it's just, you know, there's all kinds of little things in here. I even have, I found this adorable a miniature little stick of deodorant that I have in there. So I can freshen up like when I'm on a layover or 
whatever, you know, I've got my chapstick and everything in there and, and it'll fit in my purse or in my fanny pack or whatever bag I happen to have on me at the time. So yeah, I absolutely, you know, whether it's a fanny pack or whatever, having those little things with you can make a huge difference. Again, I just love so much that Lily, because she's in the midst of packing behind her, has again shown us her little bag and the mini deodorant, which is adorable. I love that. So great. And so many good tips. If if this was, a, I just wish this one was a video podcast because everything we say, Lily is going to be highlighting somehow one <laughs> way or another. She's Vanna Whiting here for us uh, with all the stuff. I, I was going to say as well, I'm just going to throw this out. You guys can uh, tweet us or let us know on Instagram. Nerdier travel accessory, fanny pack or money belt? Let us know. Chime in. <laughs> let us know. Uh, number 16, Mac, you're up. Yeah, so kind of going along with actually packing in your suitcase or backpack, something that I always recommend doing is definitely rolling your clothes for more space. And my issue with this is people are always like, roll your clothes, but they would always unravel and take up more space. So what I started doing, and it's a win-win because I never had enough hair ties, was I would wrap my clothes in my hair ties so they would stay together and they would stay tight. And then I would have extra hair ties throughout the entire trip because I was losing them constantly. So it's a win-win. I just think this is ingenious. What a smart idea because as an, another female traveler, you never have enough hair ties. I'm always looking for one. So that's such a great idea to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. And it makes it really easy to wrap, like say that you have two pairs of leggings or a pair of leggings in a jean, then you can like wrap them really, really tight and then just throw on like three hair ties and you're good to go. Awesome. That brings me to number 17, which is always travel with a packable shopping bag and also a laundry bag. So when we travel, I don't like to put my dirty laundry back into my suitcase. I just don't like it. So the away luggage actually comes with a, um, sorry, a laundry bag. And Trav has some from Tortuga as well. I don't think that, I think they come separately, but I love having that just helps us to be a little bit more organized and then our dirty clothes aren't meshing with our nice clean clothes and having a shopping bag with you is just so handy. I love having them. My favorite ones are this company called Bagu that makes like a really, really small one that folds up super tiny and also those really cute mesh, cotton mesh packing um, packable ones, which you can just find on Amazon, like four for $10. So we can also try to link some of these items up in the show notes. That's usually Casey's job. She always rocks that out when putting the podcast notes up for us. So don't worry, you'll be able to get some of these things that we talk about on this podcast. One more little tip with that. If you forget a laundry bag, one of the things you can do with packing cubes, because V was mentioning loving packing cubes, I think most of us use packing cubes now, is you can set aside one for your dirty clothes and, and then one for clean clothes, right? So if you forget a laundry bag, don't have it, uh, you can always make use of a packing cube and say, all right, well, my dirty clothes are in here. And, uh, and then, you know, when you get home or when you get to the laundromat or whatever. Well, and that lends perfect to number 18. If you make a list before <laughs> you start packing, then you're not going to forget that laundry bag. Um, like I said, I have been lucky to travel a lot this last year or two. And um, I am, I'm taking personal trips, but I'm sometimes also doing work trips. And I have to have certain things for each of those. And 
I just start like in my notes on my phone, a little thing that says the type of, you know, what are the favorite things? Most of us wear the same, you know, five to 10 tops and bottoms anyway. Um, That thing you've never worn that you bought eight months ago that still has the tags on it. You're not going to actually wear that on vacation. So don't take up space with it. But if you know your favorite American Eagle jeans and the leggings from, you know, this place and, and this favorite Oregon Go Ducks sweatshirt, right? Like those are the things you're going to bring, then make a list of that ahead of time. And that way you can kind of check it off. And I also put things on there where, um, that I, just things I might need to go buy, like some granola bars or, you know, some, something extra. So making that list. And then you can also use that same list when you're done to say, Hey, what didn't I, what didn't I remember to bring or delete something off because you totally didn't use it. I, I'm a big fan of lists too. Um, one thing that I almost never forget um, is my buff. Um, and that leads me to tip number 19, which is pack multi-purpose items. And if you have something that is useful for a multiple, you know, multiple things, uh, then that is a handy thing to bring because it just reduces the number of things that you need to pack. Um, my favorite is this buff. I use it as a hat, a ear warmer, a net gaiter, an eye mask. Uh, I stuff clothes into it, turn it into a pillowcase. Uh, I use it as a hair tie to keep my hair out of my face. Uh, I've even used it for that purpose while scuba diving. Um, And so, you know, packing towels, what do you call travel towels? That's another great one because you can use it not only as a towel, but as an extra layer on the plane if you're a little chilly. And so yeah, multi-purpose items, tip number 19. That's awesome. And that buff has been on our EPOP gift guide for a few years. So it's definitely a necessary multi-purpose item. The last item in our packing category is number 20. And that is a little tip that we have for family travel. And that is if you need to bring a car seat for your child, which you usually do, um, because it's much cheaper to bring your own than to rent one. That's an extra tip for you. So just pack your own. You will have to check it, but they let you check it for free. What you can do is pack your child's items in a small little bag or small duffel bag and put it in the car seat bag and then it's free. So you don't have to pay for an extra bag because under two, they don't get their own luggage because they have a free ticket. So number 20, pack your kid's stuff in the car seat bag. And that rounds out the packing section and we're moving on to money, money, money. Money, money, money. We've got three money tips here for you. And 21 is to get a card that has no ATM fees. So by this, I mean some sort of debit card that's tied to a bank account uh, that has no ATM fees. And or there is actually one that we'll recommend. We'll link it up to Charles Schwab. There's a Charles Schwab account if you're in the US that actually reimburses your ATM fees. So I remember being in Thailand, they they charge like uh, the equivalent of like five US dollars to get money out every time you have to get money out. And uh, which is crazy because you get like three dinners for that amount. And um, but if you get this Charles Schwab account, you can go and not only, you know, will they not charge their own fees, but they'll actually reimburse you anytime you use an ATM, whether that be abroad or, or domestically, uh, they'll reimburse that fee. On top of that, then bringing credit cards and Ransom's going to talk to us in just a second, but you definitely want to have credit cards that have no foreign transaction fee. And so most of the ones that we recommend here at Extra Pack of Peanuts, the, the ones that get you the best travel perks, going to get you the best miles and all that kind of stuff. Now, almost all of them have no foreign transaction fees. So a couple of years ago, that wasn't the case. 
but now even American Express, which was one of the last holdouts, they're starting to not have foreign exchange or foreign exchange fees because they just realized that they were losing business over that, uh, especially if they're promoting it as a travel card and then dinging you 3% when you used it abroad, right? Like, hey, didn't take a genius to figure that out. Um, so they, they will not charge you. Um, really quickly, bonus tip on this, uh, we'll say 21A or, or B, if they ask you when you're using your card uh, and you're international, they ask you if you want it charged in US dollars or the local currency, always pick the local currency because if you have a card with no foreign transaction fee. Pick the local currency because what they're essentially doing is saying, hey, we'll, let, we'll charge you in US dollars so your credit card doesn't charge you, which again, if you have a card that's not charging you, then it doesn't matter. Um, but they'll put on a percentage onto that. So it's called dynamic currency conversion. Not that you have to remember that. But if they say, hey, you want to pay in euros or dollars and you're in Europe, definitely choose the euros option and use the card that has no foreign transaction fee. And yeah, on the subject of uh, money and credit cards, that brings us to number 22 which is to bring multiple credit cards, but only carry one of them with you. And so ideally, if possible, you can leave the other one in the safe, the hostel, the hotel, whatever it might be. Or if that's not possible, then at least two different bags or something. So if one of them gets stolen, lost, whatever, you still have one. The other advantage of this is like I found in some countries, it's like, you know, visas, cooler than MasterCard, you know, whatever. So ideally, if you can have one with different issuers too, that's super helpful. How many cards do we travel with, Trav? Uh, usually three, usually okay. three. Yeah. I just want to throw in something about the credit cards. Um, I know that I have definitely been places where I was having a really hard time getting money out. Um, uh, the ATM wasn't working or maybe I had thought I'd set up a travel alert and it didn't go through. And so one thing I ended up doing, um, actually with a group of people we had met traveling in Costa Rica was there was about eight or 10 of us and my card was working there to pay for things, but not get money out. So I paid for it. And then I got the local currency from all of the people we had e eaten dinner with. So they were just like a human ATM for me. So that's always one way that you can kind of make some money of like, oh, it's working here, but not there. And I will say um, something that I usually do is I don't know how exactly smart this is. I always make a copy of my passport and my credit cards and I kind of make like a safe file with like emergency contact and I tuck all of that away like in my luggage um, so that if I do lose my credit card or my passport or things like that, I will have kind of a backup and I'm not going to have to like if in an emergency, I wouldn't be able to use like the credit card numbers. Before your trip, um, going back to the safe, uh, the travel alerts, you can do a lot of it online now, which is great. Um, make sure you do that, but also call the bank and just verify that it went through so that you don't run into an issue like that. Just double check yourself. Yeah, because you never want to be stuck moving to Japan and not have any of your money accessible to you for three days when you're trying to furnish an apartment because that, that's tough. That's tough. I was down to like 10, 10 US dollars equivalent in Japan and I... Yeah, that was tough. All right. Anyway, number 23, speaking of cash, carry cash, but not too much. And I'm speaking for myself. There are people out there like my father loves, he just says, I want to have cash. And so he'll have like 500 or a thousand bucks on him when he's traveling. I'm like, because all right. Better, it can get you, you out of any situation. He's always said. That's what he says. He says, <laughs> this will get cash, me out of I'm good. <laughs> yeah, if I have cash, I'll get out of any situation. I'm like, okay. But for me, I don't like to carry a lot because I've been known to possibly lose things. So um, I, per, uh, my limit or kind of what I do is I always make sure that I have about 100 US dollars on me when I leave the country. 
as this like backup fund. Okay, it's a hundred bucks. I can exchange it if need be, or you know, usually U.S. dollars can get you out of jail. Like e- even if there isn't a way to exchange it, you can kind of use it um, to barter or something like that. So I don't carry a ton of cash on me, but I do. Uh, make sure that I usually bring about a hundred US dollars as a backup. So then, if I lose it, not the end of the world. But there is, you know, especially if you're going to a, a country where stuff is cheaper, hundred US dollars can go, a, you know, pretty far if if you need it to. So um, I don't know how much cash you guys usually carry with you or where you fall in that spectrum. But for me, uh, I don't want it to be too much, but I need it to be enough that that I can get out of a jam. And moving into our like during travel tips, um, 24, this brings us to 24. Um, I will do basically anything to get a road to myself or to have a seat with no one beside me. So I started realizing if you board the plane last on like an international trip, especially there's, they leave open rows and open seats. So if you're boarding the plane last, you can kind of snag a seat where there's no one else sitting. And I would say nine times out of 10, no one questions you. Last time I went um, to London, the guy next to me was like, oh, that's smart. And so you don't want to do this if you're, you know, running really late and, you know, you don't want to try and like show up to the airport late, but definitely waiting to board the plane last is a really good tip to try and get a seat by yourself. And also another sub tip to that is that you don't want to sit in like the last rows on the planes because they usually usually try to keep those open for emergencies. So someone will usually say, oh, you can't sit there and they'll probably question you. So you're the one. I, whenever we're on and I see like an empty row, I'm like, I'm, I'm gunning for that. And then you see the person walking on really late and they snag it. You're just like, no, you're not allowed to do that. But you are allowed to do it, I guess. All right. Mac and I are probably going to get on a fight on a plane at some point because <laughs> I'll be all eyeing that seat up. But on that note, um, I've, I'm like you, Mac. I think that it kind of is like you know, you just got to take care of yourself, right? It's survival the fittest when you get onto a plane, You especially <laughs> if you're going on a long international flight. Like, hey, I'm going to make myself the most comfortable and I don't really care about someone else. Like, I have to watch out for myself. And on that note, number 25, we kind of use, Heather and I, a middle seat trick. And so this is, if you're, if you're on an airline where you're booking ahead of time, you're picking your seats ahead of time, usually what we'll do is we will book a window and an aisle. So that leaves that middle seat open. So unless, you know, that's the last seat someone's ever going to pick when when they're going to book their seat. So you're just hoping that the plane isn't full and that someone is going to book every other seat. And, you know, this only works if you have two people um, and and you can do that. And then, of course, if it did get booked, you know, obviously we could just move over and sit next to each other and give someone either the window or the aisle. But that has worked really well for us when you're booking ahead and picking your seats ahead. When you're on the uh, something like Southwest, where it is you get on and then you just pick your seats and it's and it's a free for all there. Uh, Heather and I have done this a lot, especially now with kids. But even without that, we we would sit on the window and the aisle and then put stuff in the middle and make it look like you know, and not make eye contact, never look up, always engage in conversation or be reading your book or be already pro to make it very difficult. Like someone has to like tap you on the shoulder and say, "Uh, excuse me, is someone sitting there? Because most of the times they won't. So they'll look for every other seat possible. And multiple times there's only been one seat that's been like left open on the plane. And it's the one that's in between Heather and I. And we're always just like, yeah, worked again. (laughs) And as actually really nice people, I have had 
some co-conspirators who I didn't even know who did the same thing. And I was like, oh, how did we look at with this middle seat? You're not looking at people. You have your jacket there. Okay, I won't look at people. So Travis and Heather, I think that we probably now are going to maybe get some back karma on that one. But uh, being nice, happy, friendly people, it, it does help to get that extra seat. Now on to number 26, which is change up your accommodations. Um, when I want to socialize, I will lean towards staying at a hostel. If I have a lot of work to do, I stick with Airbnb. And if I want to feel truly like a local, I'll go the house sitting route. Um, I love my trips to be a little bit of everything. So I never really get bored or stagnant when I'm on a trip. Yeah, we do this a lot. And and I actually prefer it to, to even case to like see different... A, have different experiences, but B, also to see different parts of the city or the area. Again, I, you know, as we travel slower and, and with kids, I think all of us, you know, maybe don't pop around as quick as we used to because, you know, once you start to travel more, you realize there is a lot of value in slow travel. So I don't want to change just to change all the time, but it is nice if you're going to be somewhere for a while to possibly change it up every couple of days or every five days just to, yeah, to give a different feel, to get a different vibe. And even if it is just seeing a different part of the city. Well, yeah, I guess that brings us right into number 27, and this also ties into seeing different parts of the city or not seeing different parts of the city, depending, and that's to don't feel like you need to see something just because it's a famous monument or tourist attraction. This happens to me a lot. I'll go somewhere, and it's always my mom. She'll be like, oh, did you see this monument? And I'm like, no, I don't care. I really don't. And I think it's fine to be just, just be confident in yourself. You know, see what you want to see. It's your trip. You're paying for it. Why see something just because you're supposed to? Now, of course, if you're traveling with other people, you should definitely be flexible and, you know, be willing to see stuff for their sake too and compromise. But still, in general, you know, see stuff you want to see. I'm going to just piggyback on that and say, uh, yeah, it's, and, and just not only do you not have to see everything, but maybe you want to see it, but you don't need to like go inside or, or do it. So I wanted to see the Eiffel tower, but I didn't want to spend the however much to go to the top of it. So, you know, you, you can spend the money, uh, or you can save the money and still see the site, but not spend it to do every single thing, save your money for the things that you really, truly want to do. Yeah, and that's something that I wish that I would have done with the Louvre because I did not like the actual museum inside. It's not that I didn't like it. It just, I kept getting lost and it took up a lot of time during the day. And I wish I just would have went and taken the pictures and walked around and saw how beautiful the outside was instead of spending the 32 euro to get in. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, Ransom, because I actually heard from a friend, I can't remember who it was, but they, they said, you know, also take the type of trip that you would enjoy. So this is kind of like a broader scope of that. Of If you're not into art, like you don't have to go to a city and, and that's all about art and museums. If you're not into that, if, if you like being out in nature and hiking, well, then go to the countryside and maybe come in the city for a day and, and, you know, just run around and do some things. So I think that a lot of people do get stuck in that oh, I have to do it because X, Y, and Z, I have to check it off. Whereas a lot of times it's, it won't be really what they, what they would plan for themselves or what they do enjoy. So I think that there's a lot to be said for saying, you don't have to do it. You know, no one, no one's holding a gun to your head. Like when you go on these trips, like the beauty is that you're taking it to ex have the experiences that you want to experience. So just keep that in mind and ask yourself, is this something that I actually want to do? Or am I doing it because I feel like it's expected of me? 
Right, which brings us right into number 28, and that's don't over plan a trip. And the reason I say this is because you want to have some room for flexibility or spontaneity, especially because maybe your trip isn't going as well as as you would like, or you're not liking the city that you're in that you thought you would really love. And we have a friend who went on his honeymoon to South America and they landed in Argentina. And I forget which city they didn't like, but I think it was Cordoba. Trav, you can back me up on this one. It was was. our friend. It was our friend, Dave. And he was like, everybody raves that this is a great city, but they did not like it. And they felt bad or like maybe there was something wrong with them that they didn't like it. And that's okay. If you go somewhere and you don't like it, there's a lot of factors that play into that weather, bad experience, a bad meal, bad accommodation, you can just be flexible and move on. And that's why it's nice to have some days that aren't planned or maybe a part of your accommodation that isn't planned, which we mentioned before. So just to leave a little bit of room to be flexible and and be spontaneous. I want a really quick hitter. This is going to be like an aside to an aside. I want everyone to give us the place that they were that didn't live up to their expectations. So the, uh, there's always one place when you're traveling or a few we are like, oh, I thought this was going to be awesome and it just fell short, which is totally fine because that's what makes the awesome experiences even better. Uh, so go ahead. I just, just tell us, you don't even have to explain if you don't want to, uh, Mac. Um, this is going to sound bad and I might get some backlash from this, but Rome, I did not like Rome at all. And it might've been because it was a thousand degrees, but I just didn't like it. Fair. I wasn't a fan of Warsaw. I really thought I would be and just, it didn't do it for me. It was blah. Sorry, Warsawians. San Sebastian, Spain. Amazing tapas scene, beautiful beach. It was rainy, cold, and definitely just pivoted my trip um, and changed up even a couple countries I didn't go to to go back and resettle and create a more home feeling in Barcelona. The Maya Riviera, Mexico. Well, just felt way over touristed to me. This is another one I might get some flag for, but Toronto. You know, I loved Hamilton, Ontario, but Toronto, I was like, it's just another big city. Like, who, who cares? All right, Hath? I feel a little similar about Toronto, to be honest. <laughs> so do I. It's fine. Like, it's fine and a nice big city, but I didn't, wasn't, yeah, I didn't have to go back. But is that your answer, Hath? Or do you have a... And I'll just stick with that one because uh, I, I can't think of another right, one at I, the I, moment. I, I'll give you mine. Uh, it was Penang, Malaysia. Every, it was like the last part of our first backpacking trip. Everyone's like, you're going to love Penang. So beautiful, such good food. There was good food, but maybe it was, again, the weather, three days of rain, you know, 18 days on the road. The first time we'd ever done a backpacking trip, both Heather and I were like, get us out of here. We are ready to go home. And, and then we did. So um, I just want to. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. And no, you, hopefully you get some flack. Doesn't matter. Everyone has their own opinion on that. Let us know too. You can let us know on Twitter or Instagram too. What is the place that that didn't meet your expectations that you were, maybe were disappointed on? Uh, my number twenty nine or our number twenty nine is say yes to unique experiences as long as you feel safe. You know, I'm going to use that as the caveat. I'll give you one quick example of that. Heather and I were in Georgia. We just said, hey, we're going to say yes to stuff that comes up. We're in this Mashruka, which is a, a a van that transports people around and this it's one like lady, public transportation, but yeah. really, really basic. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. And, uh, this lady asked us, we were going to this one, you know, this one area going out to a, a hotel there or a hostel there. And this lady asked us if we wanted to, when she got off the bus, if we wanted to go with her to her house and her English was pretty 
good. So we did understand that part. We just didn't exactly know what we were getting into. And we're kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, should we do this? We, we've got our accommodations. Like, how are we going to get then on another Mashruka? And we have no idea where we are. And Heath was just like, yeah, let's just say yes. And I'm like, you're right. And that was kind of our tr- idea on this trip going, going into it was just to say yes. And we did. And it led us to this crazy adventure. Uh, like riding around in the hills in this old Russian Lada with her grandfather who was yelling Kilimanjaro at every mountain he saw on this crazy feast. And it was like our, one of our best travel days, but we easily could have just said no because we thought, oh, things will get a little more difficult. We weren't scared. It was just going to be maybe harder. And in the end, it turned out to be an absolutely amazing time. And I will piggyback off that as well. I, my best and favorite travel day I've ever had was in Trebbiano, Italy in this tiny mountain town. And my Airbnb host did not speak any English at all. And she was like, she was just like making hand motions and saying things in Italian. And I was like, let's do it. So we ended up um, going to her friend's house and going horseback riding and making homemade limoncello. And then we went cliff diving. And mind you, this is like a 70 year old woman, but to this day, like my, that day, my family was like, where's Mackenzie? She's not messaging us back. My mom thought I got kidnapped, but I was just having the best day of my life. So definitely say yes to unique experiences. I feel like I got to jump on with a yes. Um, that's how I ended up going paragliding off of a volcano in Guatemala. And uh, the guy did not speak a lot of English. Uh, He would just tell me to relax, relax. We're like circling up above. Um, And that was the one time I did not call my mom before doing it because I figured she would worry the whole time. But I definitely made sure to reach out and be like, guess what I just did? And I lived. And his phone kept ringing when we were up in the air. And I was like, dude, do you need to like answer that? Is there a, a storm coming through? But we made it safe and sound and all because I was open to saying yes. Um, and the feeling safe slowly came eventually, but it was, a, it was a great adventure. I love how adventurous you guys are. This is awesome. Number 30 is get lost. I mean, you should definitely see the things that you want to see, but then make it a point to just wander, you know, walk as much as possible because that's when you're going to find these little hidden gems, the hidden square, the garden, or like me when I was in um, uh, Brussels, I found the most gorgeous French cemetery and I had it all to myself because it's not a popular thing. I've got a a similar story to that, Casey. We were in um, Ecuador in Baños, which is a pretty touristy, like, uh, adventure-type place where people go and do extreme sports and things like that. And um, there's a lot of tourists there, but, you know, my husband and I, we like to explore. And so we got out. We We just hit the roads and just went out into the country and, like, see where this takes us. And we ended up finding this guy who had this way off the beaten, off the beaten path, establishment that you had to literally take a zip line to get across to his place so he saw us coming down the trail like we were coming down this mountain trail and he came over and he like got us over the zip line and took us in and made some tea for us and showed us this really cool tree house that he built like way up in a tree like stuff that we would never have have known about if we hadn't just gone out and gotten lost so that's a that's an awesome tip 
Yeah, and I'm going to take us into 31, which is before you get lost, make sure that you use the bathroom when you're traveling whenever you have the opportunity to do so. No one told me this, but when I went on my first trip to Europe, I was like, where are the public bathrooms? And I was running around. I would drink tons of water because it was summer, and then I would have nowhere to go to the bathroom. Or you end up having to pay to go to the bathroom, which I would much rather spend on a baguette or gelato. Um, a sub tip to this is fancy department stores in Europe usually have restrooms hidden on the top floor. So if you can find your way into maybe like a Zara or even a fancier, I don't know, Italian department store, they will have a bathroom for you to use so you don't have to pay to go in somewhere. Well, I'm going to jump in with tip number 32. I'm definitely a fan of always using a bathroom or knowing where that is, Max. So I'm glad you put that one on there. Um, But my tip 32 is um, before you go somewhere or when you land in a place, put it out on social media. Um, I think using social media, a lot of us are connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, to just say, hey, who do I know here? And or anyone have some local suggestions? And I know that I actually travel solo a lot. Um, and while, yes, I'm looking for that travel partner, um, I, I definitely would love, um, I love knowing where, oh, my friend's friend's uncle lives here or so-and-so's cousin studied abroad and here's a cool coffee shop I have to see or here's just the tips from the locals. Um, and also when you know, I'm a country or an ocean away, uh, it makes me just feel a little safer as a solo woman to know someone I know knows someone here, right? It's that seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, you know, type theory. It's it's often a lot less and a lot closer. And so when you put that stuff out on social media, um, you can end up, you know, having a random coffee date with somebody or just getting a great suggestion and just for that safety wise and, and getting the tips from the locals or people who live there or travel there. So I think it's a great way to to share that out. And I'm going to give a shout out to the Extra Packer Peanuts Facebook group because that is a great place to get info and reach out and you know, we have people all over the world, so meet up for coffee. Yeah, I think if you guys are following the podcast, you're probably like all of us here where you just really love traveling for recommendations, both giving and getting. And it it does help you. It, it kind of makes it a little bit of a mission, right? Like, you, yes, you're strolling around, as the French say, flaneur, right? You're, you're getting lost. You're doing all that fun stuff. But you're also saying, all right, I've got a place that, you know, that eventually I want to get to because a, a friend of a friend told me about this little hole in the wall. And so I just love, love, love that, trying to either find hidden gems myself or then get to a hidden gem that someone else has told me, even if they're not someone I'm not super, um, uh, super connected with. Um, you know, the six degree, I, I guess it's seven degrees of Kevin Bacon now, but six degrees, whichever it is. Um, but I'm with yeah, Lily, number 33. All right. Number 33. My tip is book hotels and major tours with local companies when you can, rather than international companies that have offices in the U.S. or Europe. Um, and I've, I've done a couple of bigger trips this way. I did a, a Galapagos cruise for several hundred dollars less than anything I could find online by connecting with a, uh, a company that was actually based in Ecuador. And I made the arrangements with them in Spanish uh, because I speak Spanish. And, uh, but I would have, you know, if you're, if you're not in a situation where you speak the local language, you might be able to have somebody help you again, like I mentioned earlier with that, with the housing. 
and, and hotels too, you know, rather than staying at a big hotel chain, unless you've got points or something, you can save a lot of money by staying at a, at a local hotel. Um, it might take a little extra work, but um, the experience can be uh, more authentic and more fun and just as high quality in my experience. And you're saving hundreds or thousands of dollars. Kilimanjaro was another one where, where I booked with a local company, woman owned company in Tanzania and saved thousands of dollars over what I could have spent with somebody based in the US or Europe. So, yeah. I love this because the money is going to the people that are living in the place as opposed to big conglomerates. Exactly. Uh, number 34, public transportation and ride sharing over flights. So this one is important for me because I hate flying. I'm a nervous wreck. I don't like it. So I take trains if I'm going between countries because I get to see the countryside. I truly relax, which I cannot do on a flight. Um, but also I love uh, a service called Blah Blah Car, which to me is one of the funniest names I've ever heard for a company. And I learned about it while on a trip. But I use this to go from Krakow to Prague and it only cost me 15 euros Plus, I ended up spending Christmas with the family of the girl that was driving. So I got this whole, again, saying yes to unique experiences, right? <laughs> I got this amazing thing all because I uh, used this app and it was way cheaper than the train or, you know, even time-wise. It was great timing. So number 34. Well, yeah, I think that's a nice segue into number 35 because you're talking about cool ways to meet locals. So my tip for number 35 is to make friends with the hostile bartender. And it doesn't have to be the bartender. If you don't drink, it could be the barista. It could be the bartender at the hotel. It could be, you know, anyone you meet that's like a local. I did this when I was in Medellin. I got to go on all kinds of just crazy experiences, you know, salsa dancing with people from Australia or whatever. He knew all the good spots in the neighborhood. He introduced me to a lot of other locals. So that's a really nice way to kind of quickly, you know, get into the local culture. Yeah, one of the things Heather and I have always done is when you're looking for a place to eat and you want to go local is to ask the taxi driver or the person at the restaurant, not, hey, where should I go to eat? But we always ask them, like, where would you go to eat? You know, because I don't want them. We did this in China one time, like, where should we go to eat? And the guy said McDonald's. We're like, it was our first night in China. Like, okay, not exactly what we're looking for. And it's so if you're asking, like, hey, where would you go tonight or where are you going? Um, you know, maybe you get invited with them, maybe not, whatever, but asking them where they would go, especially if it is a taxi driver or something like that, or a restaurant server, if you're at a good restaurant, you know, they probably know decent food. So you ask them, hey, what are some of your other favorites or what are local favorites? And you're going to get some amazing recommendations. Uh, for number 36, Trav, you actually hinted at this earlier, but it's my absolute favorite thing to do wherever I am, and that is visit the grocery stores. I'm obsessed with this. Um, you get to go in there, you get to see, well, what's similar, what's completely different. Um, I love finding cookies called American cookies, and it's just chocolate chip cookies, but that apparently is very American. Um, I also love trying the local foods this way as opposed to the restaurants because it'll save you a ton of money just cooking for yourself, visit the grocery stores. It is a blast. And plus you have to look up what everything is on your phone and figure out, oh, well, that sounds disgusting. I'm not eating that. And that's also nice as a, sorry, a solo traveler, because then you can go in, spend your time like wandering around, finding snacks. And then, you know, sometimes if you go to a restaurant, you don't have anyone to share with. And so you don't, you don't want to eat the whole meal, but you also don't want to waste it. So if you go into the grocery store, it's a nice way to to utilize the local foods there as well. Um, going along with solo travel though, is 
I always wear my headphones for tip number 37 is to wear your headphones as a solo traveler, but you don't have to be playing music. I do get some, you know, sometimes you want to be aware of your surroundings or all times you want to be aware of your surroundings. So if you don't have your music on, but you have your headphones in, your people are less likely to come up and talk to you. Tip number 38, avoid contributing to plastic pollution. So when you're out traveling, um, Try to carry reusable water bottles, especially uh, reusable bags for shopping, which Heather talked about earlier, reusable straws, sporks, collapsible food containers, you know, any, any or all of those things will help reduce the amount of waste that you're putting out into the environment. Um, that's something that, you know, plastic pollution is becoming a huge problem, especially in highly touristed areas. So if you can... If you can find ways to reduce that, that's great. One thing I do like to do um, in Chiang Mai, they have those water stations all over the city. um, And you can take uh, a couple of two-liter platypus water bottles and refill uh, at those water stations, which are super cheap. And you get your drinking water that way rather than buying plastic bottles of drinking water. So, yeah, just try to find any way you can to reduce that waste. Yeah. And on that note, too, if you're looking to save money, this is a huge one, especially if we're talking about buying water and stuff like that in the airports, right? Because that, we all know, you're getting dinged like three, four, five dollars for a small water bottle, which Hath can tell you, nothing upsets me more than A, having to pay for water, unless you're in a place that it's not clean naturally, um, and then B, getting way overcharged for a water bottles. I'm like, this is just water. Why am I spending $8 or whatever, $5 on water? If you have a reusable water bottle with you, you're going to be able to fill up almost anywhere. I'll chime in here as a um, former buyer of sundries for uh, airports. You are getting ripped off. A thousand percent. The markup is between fifty to eighty percent um, than it as it would be in a regular store. So yeah, absolutely. Do do yourself a favor. Don't pay those. Just in case anyone was unsure if the eight dollar water bottle was a ripoff, Casey's telling you the inside scoop here, folks. It is a ripoff ransom. Oh yeah, I was going to say another thing. Just in terms of reducing waste, I found these really cool. It's like this little set of bamboo utensils. It comes in this nice little pouch. And uh, it's also nice because you have a knife, sort of, but it's not sharp. So generally, they're cool with you carrying it on. I haven't had any issues. It's kind of fun. Fun for camping and stuff like that, too. They're more robust than plastic stuff anyway. Yeah, and I think this just goes you know, back to that trying to carry less, but the stuff that you have, you know, because we're talking about being on carrying have it be high quality stuff or useful stuff like Liv was mentioning, you know, can it be used a few different ways? Are you going to use it every day of your trip or almost every day? If, if it, if the answer is yes to those questions, that's something that we would want to pack. Um, my number 39 is going to be the $10 tip. I actually learned this on one of my podcast episodes. I was interviewing someone. This came from Chris Gillibo when I interviewed him you know, whatever, five, six years ago, he said the $10 tip. And at this point, we were much more frugal travelers. So Heather, this is music to Heather's ears. And it can be $10. It can be $5. It can be $20. You can set your own limit. But all it says is that if something costs less than, you know, this amount. And so for us, let's say it's, it's $10. If something costs less than $10, it's going to make your trip better, more convenient, whatever. 
then just do it. Like, don't nitpick, don't question it. If it's if it's under a certain amount and you're like, I just want this, this is going to make it easier or better, like we said, then just go for it. And and the best example we have for this was uh, Heather and I were in Thailand. We wanted a deck of playing cards, right? Just to hang out on the beach, play some cards. And it was something crazy, like $7 for a deck. Or, $8, yeah. $8 for a deck of playing cards. Like legitimately, you could sit down at the nicest restaurant and have a meal for $8. And, and even, I was pretty- even I, yeah, I'm not as frugal as Trav. And even I was like, I don't think we should buy these cards. It's so expensive. Yeah, we we're just like, oh, but we we'd just like heard about this $10 trick. And, and we're saying, well, I mean, is it going to be fun for us to play cards on the beach? Like, is we're here in Thailand at the beach. Will our day be better? It's taken us all this effort, time to get here, money to get here. Is it going to be better? And we said yes. And so we bought an $8 pack of uh, of Thai cards. The guy wouldn't even negotiate. That was a crazy part. I'm like, oh, $8, sure. Like, let's get it down to like two. No, nah, for whatever reason, these were like a hot commodity. He was not having it. So we spent $8 on a deck of playing cards. And a time that I actually didn't follow that rule, and I wish that I did, I was in London, and I booked a hostel last minute. I booked a $10 hostel, or 10 euro pound hostel, and I have regretted it ever since. I was in a room with like 35 people. The bunk beds were stacked three people high. There were no windows. It was the worst experience of my life. And if I would have just spent an extra $5, $10, I probably could have got, you know, a room to myself, who knows, but it was, it, it would have been worth the 10 to $15 extra for sure. And, you know, I'm going to chime in on this one too. It's a little bit more than $10, but I think back in my early traveling days, I was like, okay, if I do this with three layovers, I'm going to save $120. Well, after I get on and off the plane three times and buy a drink and have a sandwich and check out, I ended up spending $80 anyway at all the layovers and customs. And I did it once on an international flight and went to a couple different countries. It was just a total waste of time, energy, and money. So by going direct and not having layovers and spending that frivolous airport money that we now know is a total you know, upsell, as Casey proved to us, that can, at the end of the day, actually end up saving you a lot more money or get you to your destination faster. I think that also, as you mentioned, comes up with accommodations, right? Like booking ahead of time and just having that peace of mind, whether it, even if it's just one night, it is going to be well worth maybe the 10, 15, 30 extra dollars that you spent that you could have gotten a much better deal, you know, if you have been on the ground. But you have to weigh that, you know, time versus money and what's it worth it. And if you are going on a, a quicker vacation, you know, the time is way more worth it then, right? Like, like you can't really afford to waste a lot of time if you're only going for a week or two weeks and you're going to a couple different cities, whereas, you know, you're going for a month or two months or three months. Well, then, yeah, you've got more time to play with. So for sure, uh, just just weigh it out and kind of look at what is the the benefit of spending that extra dollar, a few extra dollars. And for us, Heather and I still hold to this $10 rule um, for little things because it's, it's worked uh, in our um, favor many, many, many times. I can't believe we finally hit 40, which I guess technically we're probably closer to 80, um, but it is the postcard diary. So this is something I like to do as a memento of all my trips. I grab a postcard from every city I visit and I sometimes I'll mail them with, and I'll write on there 
okay, so this is what's happened today, or this is what's happened during the trip. So it's like a little snapshot of my time there. Sometimes I mail them back to myself if I like, if I want to stamp. Um, otherwise, I'll just hold them. And at the end of the trip, I bind them together, just put a little hole in the top, um, put a little string on it. And you have this wonderful little diary that you kept of your whole trip with these beautiful pictures of places that you actually went. So yeah, postcard diary. I think that's yeah. an amazing place to end our list because I have never thought of doing this, but how, what a great way to encapsulate an entire trip to have those memories. And then I think a lot of people, when they get home, they would put something like this off. You're not going to print your pictures. You're not going to write things down. And, and I know that travel likes to write things down in a little notebook while we're traveling, but to have the visual there is such an incredible idea. I love this tip so much. I'm going to try to start doing it. Yeah, I we went through and called our list, like I said, down from well, down from eighty to like forty, but then there now we ended up with eighty anyway, uh, in a roundabout way. But I put this last um, case because I did think I, I, this was not something I had heard of before. Obviously, I heard of sending postcards to other people, but to send it to yourself, I just thought this is a really neat, cool way to to yeah to encapsulate your trip, to give yourself a memory, to give yourself something to look forward to when you get home, because some. Sometimes you can be in a bit of if you send it home to yourself, you know, you come home like, oh man, travel's over. I'm back in whatever dreary Cleveland or dreary Philadelphia or less dreary Arizona. Um, and then you, you walk in and you're like, hey, I've got a, po a postcard here, or a few postcards. And so just absolutely love that tip. And uh, I love that we were all able to get on. Um, every one of you giving, giving time out of your day, what ended up being about an hour and a half out of your day to come to chat with us. This is the very first time we've had seven people. And I think the previous high hat was four, right? Uh, so we just crushed that record. And I would love for you to hear from you guys as well. The whole team would. If you do have other travel tips, tricks, or if you use one of the things that we talk about or want to expand on one of the things that we talk about, please let us know. Um, let us know via social media. The easiest way is, is Instagram. Mac will be on there. Heather will be on there. They'll, they'll let the whole team know in our Slack channel uh, what you guys are saying um, because that is super helpful for us to know what resonated with you. And out of these 40 plus plus... plus plus tips. Um, what were the ones that you thought, hey, this is something unique or cool that maybe I didn't think about. Um, if you want to give us an award for best tip, uh, you can do that, right? That would be fun. You could say like, this was my favorite one. And uh, we'll give a little prize out to someone on the team for, for whoever wins the best tip award. But um, thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Casey and Vanessa and Lily and Ransom and Mac and Heather for joining us. Um, thank you all the listeners for hanging out with us and for the support as always that makes us number one rated travel podcast on Apple Podcasts. And what I want to do, we're all going to sign off here. I'll say until next time and all of us as a team can say happy free travels, all right? So here we go. Until next time. Happy free travels! From the EPOP team. See you guys. Woo!